They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 20 of season number 2, almost at the halfway mark of these tier 3 list nasties. Now, if you listened to the previous episode, which dropped a couple of weeks ago, you'll know that me and Mark are cheating. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're pulling in double duty. So this is movies number 3 and 4 for us in the recording of today. There's nothing I like more than spending a morning or an evening, depending on where we are in the world, chatting four video nasties back to back. But I will say, compared to episode 19, things are getting super interesting on this episode. Joining me, as always, on season two is my co-host with the most, is the phenomenal Mark Ball. How you doing, buddy? I, I'm doing good. That that last episode, we got a lot of mileage out of. Like, I, I did not think we were going to have as much to say about those two movies as we did, but I'm, I'm happy we did. We'll give, give like people a little bit of, little, little bit of some shit to listen to. I didn't mention on that last episode that I super duper cheated on those two movies, and as soon as I got done watching them, I went to the Video Nasty Project's YouTube and watched the episodes that they did about both those movies, because I'm like, I want answers, goddammit! And uh, turns out, got no answers. Those guys, I think, were kind of along the same lines as us on those movies and said, you know, a lot of stuff that like I, I kind of knew as soon as I got done with those movies, like, coming out of it. Like, I, it didn't really... I, I didn't get the answers that I was looking for, basically, out of those videos. Although they were entertaining, and, like, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, watching Tony and those guys, you know, do their thing. But, uh, yeah, they were they were kind of a... I think they liked those movies a little bit better than we did, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. So I kind of cheated on those two, just because I was like, I don't really, I kind of didn't know what the fuck to think about those two movies as soon as I got done watching them. I, I think I was also fairly drunk by the time I got done with Mosquito the Rapist. I, I was definitely the, the the drinks were flowing to get through that movie, and uh, yeah, I was just confused as what to make of them. But uh, thankfully, on this episode, we're talking about two good fucking movies. Yeah, this is this uh, this was a, a first time watch for me for Aftermath from '82, and uh, I've like I, God knows how many times I've watched Extra now. Um, a, a fair few, a fair few. So I I, I was uh, I was only curious as to where Aftermath was going to drop on the the good or bad side, and um, I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'll give away some information on this one. There's, there's quite a lot for me to enjoy about this one. A couple of complaints we will get we will get to when we're swinging because what would be a video nasty uh, episode um, without, without us sitting down giving a couple of complaints about why did they do this in this movie? The airing of grievances. Yeah, that's what we do and we do it well. Now obviously we did a massive dump of what we've been watching and what we've been up to at the start of the month and because we're recording this right beside it, there's, you know, not nothing has changed. We're in exactly the same position we were in before. Um, I think the only thing we can see now is that episode that Mark was on of Cinema Attacks podcast with, with Derek 
uh, and his buddy was fucking brilliant and uh, it did really well. It was the highest downloaded episode we've ever had. <laughs> I do I do appreciate that uh, future Duncan or past Duncan or whatever, yeah. That, yeah. that should be out. Uh, I, I, I was going to mention that I, I've got guest appearances booked on Bite Size Cinema with our buddy RJ McCready. Oh, nice. Uh, we're going to be covering the, those are great little shows because they're mm-hmm. they're like not very long and he could, he tends to cover like some pretty heavy hitter he covers good movies over there yeah uh, we're we're going to be talking about evil dead 2 oh, uh nice. that should be that should be out by maybe by the time this comes out i, don't know, I think or, or no we're recording that at the beginning of september so that'll be like right around the corner like yeah it's not be far away from when this one drops so uh, I think the other I've I've got a guest spot hook, uh, set up uh, with uh, our our do you, do you know Des from Desmond's Flicks? You're yes, I've been, I've been right? yeah I've been on I've, I did um, an episode on wait for it get get ready to be shocked and surprised. It was, it was a Jallo, right? It was a Jallo show, yeah. Um, because our buddy uh, Darren Wilson um, had had a conversation with him. I think he'd been on his show and they talked about he was going to do Jallo January. And um, he's like, yeah, I just need to get a couple of people booked in there. And he's like, well, <laughs> if I be so, be so bold, I would say that if you're going to have a Jallo episode, then you have to have Duncan on. Um, and you will not be shocked uh, to learn that. I think we discussed, I think it was Deep Red we did and Pieces. So <laughs> a nice. movie that I've reviewed <laughs> on more shows than I, I know no at shit. this point. <laughs> I think I think I've been I've been on like at least three shows where with you where yes. we've talked about pieces for yep. sure and yeah yeah we've done deep red on this one too so yes <laughs> so they they know what you're good at uh, but yeah I'm gonna be doing he does a I think it's only on his Patreon it's it's an audio only show because he's primarily a YouTube guy That's right. uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, the classic slasher movie Madman from the 80s oh which wow right Madman Mars. Yeah, yeah, Madman Mars. I, I love that movie, man. Especially the score; it's so fucking good. Uh, we will also be discussing The Exorcist Three, which oh, nice. I have not I have not seen for many many years now. Obviously, everybody knows like the the scissor scene that's mm-hmm. one of the most infamous jump scares I think in horror. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about David Fincher Seven. Oh. Which you guys just, you and Bo just covered over on, that's on Opera Omnia, right? yeah. correct? Yeah, I, 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 I sat down, I was, as I was driving back and forth between work uh, the week before last, I, I sat down and listened to you guys' episodes on Fight Club and Seven, and I really enjoyed those, because those were definitely two really important movies to fucking teenage Mark and his... Oh, of course, You're, you are that age range that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, those were those were at a rapidly developing time in my taste of film and art in general, and had a huge impact on me. I think I saw Seven like when I was way too fucking young to be watching Seven. I'm pretty sure I brought that fucker home from the video store when I was like twelve, maybe, and tried to sit and watch it with my fucking poor grandma, who I think made me shut it off like somewhere in between, like probably before the. Uh, the the knife strap on fucking comes out I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure i distinctly remember her saying i think you're too young for this and i don't think i got to finish it and i think later on my mom got a copy of it because she was big into the brad pitt like especially oh, yeah. after after legends of the fall came out like mm-hmm. my mom had a big old lady crush on fucking brad pitt and i i'm pretty sure she fucking hates seven like she is 
not a fan. She likes classical horror type stuff, but she's big time turned off by uh, like gore and violence and mm-hmm. sexual violence in movies and stuff like that. She grew up in the the Vietnam era, I think, is largely what turned off a lot of this stuff. Because on the nightly news every night, you'd see yeah. fucking soldiers being carried out fucking full of holes and ripped to shreds kind of stuff. So that stuff turns her off. She she was uh, she is largely to credit for like my love of horror. I think she bought me a copy of Night of the Living Dead when I was about thirteen, and uh, introduced me to like Vincent Price stuff and mm-hmm. Bela Lugosi and. Uh, stuff like that. We, we we were a big. I bring a mystery science theater a lot on this show too. We were a big mystery science theater household, which gave me, I think my my first love like schlocky B movies and cheesy shit like that. A lot of the movies they did on that show, I think my mom probably saw at the drive-in when she was yeah. a, a young lady <laughs> in the fucking fifties or sixties or whatever. So uh, that's kind of yeah, always a. a, a a bond we'd had but yeah she hates seven uh i haven't i haven't seen i i did sit down and watch fight club not very long ago for the first time in 15 fucking years mm-hmm. or so and uh holds up really well i really i really dig that movie even though uh i, I think i sent a review somewhere i was like a lot of this is like 15 year old crow mag like oh it totally is kind of yeah. logic like it's it's dumb guy it's a dumb guy movie <laughs> yeah but... I'll, blo- I'll, I'll block these buildings and then that means that no one will have debt anymore that's not how that works <laughs> it's that's like... not how any of this works david fincher paul and chuck palunic wrote the fucking book uh but it, it's also a, mo- a movie that like is i think it's taken on a lot of different meanings like the further it goes i i, I think it's uh it's been appropriated by a lot of groups yeah, you know yeah. I mean, that's uh, that makes it sound like kind of a bad thing. I, I, yeah. I think it's more, well, yeah. Like it, it, as time has gone on, different people get different things out of yeah. it. I, I think the angle that this is a super pro gay movie and has a lot of comments about you know like, uh, you know, uh, men's relationships with each other yeah. and to a slightly lesser extent with women. I, I, I think a lot of that's kind of interesting to look at it from that angle, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fucking pumped to rewatch Seven. I I don't think I've watched that since the '90s round table oh, wow, episode right. so, of yeah, the summer ago, series. So yeah, that was two years ago. And, uh, if memory serves, that was pretty high on that fucking list for the '90s show, yes. was it not? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, in the top ten. So and uh, rightly so. Uh, <laughs> it was is he is he like is an incredible movie. Like g- genuinely, just an incredible movie. Um, and like that's that's fucking that's Fincher's second movie, <laughs> which is insane. Like <laughs> man, talking fucking, about knocking it out of the park, just absolutely nuts. We're actually, in fact, the day we're recording this, which is several weeks before the episode will drop, myself and Bo will be reconvening for Opera Omnia tomorrow night uh, to discuss the curious case of Benjamin Button, which is oh, a movie boy. I have only seen once, and it's almost three hours long. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that one. There's a couple of those Fincher ones I don't think I've seen. That's that's one of them. Yeah, you can avoid that one. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> like, just don't do it. So, yeah, we've, we've got that one lined up. Um, but we've just covered Zodiac recently, and Zodiac is the absolute fucking tour de force of oh, cinema. Yeah. Just pure, like, that, that. to me, that's him. That, you know, that's his... Uh, at the moment, anyway, that's his best movie. I've still obviously go and watch a couple 
of his uh, later movies, which I'm interested to see how The Social Network holds up, because I really enjoyed that when that came out. Gone Girl is a movie that I really enjoyed as well, and I'm interested to see how that holds up. I didn't mind his remake of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but... It was yeah, like it's pretty I, good. Yeah, but I'd, I'd seen the original Swedish one, so I knew who the killer was, so I'm like, Ugh. Right. You know I mean? the, yeah, and those ones are obviously, like, way, way, way fucking better. But like, yeah. as far as, like, an American remake of a foreign film goes, I, I don't think Girl with, uh, the Dragon Tattoo is all that bad. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. And the, I've still to see Mank, which was his movie from last year, so I've, st- I've still to watch. It's the only one I've not seen. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see... If any of those ones move the the, the kind of the, the pendulum for me, but at the moment, like like Zodiac is just it's about as auteur cinema as cinema gets. Like in terms of this is everything I associate with David Fincher in one movie, just at the highest level. Um, so yeah, yeah that'd be good. I've forgotten that John Carroll Lynch plays uh, who they think is fucking oh. Zodiac in that movie, and I didn't remember that until I sat down to watch the invitation for the fucking summer series. And yep. that dude is a fucking incredible actor. He's like, amazing. He can amazing. Such such a huge amount of range, and like you you look at the guy and you assume he's either a great big teddy bear or he could potentially be like a really fucking scary dude, and he just always has this incredible like unassuming way or at least in those two movies like you know well he plays he's the guy that they cast as twisty the clown in american horror story right which i mean totally makes sense like like just like well, i remember when they announced that he was gonna he was gonna play the scary clown then in that um series i think it's freak show he's in and i was like oh i will see how that goes and then he come on screen and i was like he's fucking terrifying <laughs> yeah <laughs> super duper scary so yeah it's, he's, he's a he's a great yes yeah, effortlessly brilliant film yeah. by surprise surprise and effortly effortlessly brilliant director so um, yep. the, the hard things I have to do to balance out this is how I balance it some people say why are you doing the nasty show if it's just like mostly bad movies and I'm like yeah but I have other shows that don't do that <laughs> so yep. Opera Omnia the and the Yang Opera Omnia is the balance I then get to sit and talk about directors who genuinely make great movies and that's so I know what you're thinking Mark why did I get stuck with this shit assignment? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you knew, you knew I'd love it. Oh yeah, like at the, there's been very little complaining, even though we're almost at the halfway mark. Very little complaining thus far, which I am overjoyed with because it means, uh, in the words of the strange dead Templar Knight uh, and Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, I chose wisely, Mark. Wisely. Um, I'm, I'm basically the, the bikers from the movie Mandy when uh, what's his face Duke is talking about they fucking loved oh, it dude like, every time I, I put that in the summer series theme song because that scene to me was where I was like that I'm going to love this movie forever <laughs> oh, I, get, I get chills yeah I've seen it like five times now and every time that scene pops up it fucking hair stands up on the back so of my good. neck so it's, good that's, man. A, that's intense acting uh, talking about intense acting, this is another segue. This is what I do now. This is my life now, Mark. Doodly doodly doo. <laughs> we are going to discuss two brand new movies from this tier three list for you. Now, just a gentle reminder out there if you're you're checking out, the tier three list was movies that were confiscated, but no one was prosecuted or no one got fined for. They were just taken off shelves if the police saw them, taken away and burned. What's really interesting is there's a movie doing the rounds right now called Censor, um, which I recently covered with Andy Blockley as a kind of Andy Loves Art House. Surprise, surprise, 
he didn't love Art House at the end of that one, but he did really enjoy the movie. And the reason behind is it's set in and around the time period of the Video Nasties, but it's a horror movie based around uh, a central character of a censor at the time. And uh, yeah, it's kind of there. There's a scene where she walks into a video store and she overhears the teller um, talking about a movie that's being returned, which she knows for a fact is on the banned list. Um, and he's kind of putting that away in the back and then they have this conversation and that's what things were like you know, like basically it drove the whole thing underground because police could go into a video store which was like not like how you know like a blockbuster or that it was like mum and pop stores that had a video section um, and would go in and see a case and if it was on the list it was banned um, so it was taken away and burned it was thrown in a furnace um, for the tier three and there's a lot of movies on that list that merit it and as we've found out thus far a lot that don't um including these two movies maybe that we're discussing on this episode we'll be doing the aftermath from 1982 and extras so let's start with our aftermath movie we're going to take a short break you're going to hear learned people from the video nasties documentary give you a little intro to the movie you're going to hear the trailer when we come back myself and mark leading the charge into the aftermath coming right up right after this this is aftermath it came out in 1982 and it's one of the sweetest nuclear war films you're ever gonna see it's written directed starring edited by and just about everything else steve baquette the idea is that Steve is playing a guy called Newman, who's an astronaut. He comes back down from space to find out that the planet seems to be deserted. Going around in some rather pretty shots for a while, he eventually realises, along with a friend of his, that the planet has become basically a wasteland. He discovers that there are very few people left on Earth. There are instead mutant humanoid things that basically roam around and are basically looking to munch on people and commit very nasty acts on them. The other group of people remaining on Earth are a pirate gang, essentially, led by Sid Haig in an absolute blinder of a role. He's got fantastic menace and it's something that we've become very much to associate with him. The guy has so much presence, it's quite unbelievable. <laughs> and what the film is essentially about is dear old Newman, i.e. Barquette, deciding that either he's going to clean up you know, the pirates, the mutants, all the rest of it, or he'll damn well die trying. And it's actually for a, what you might assume to be quite a schlocky film, actually, it's got a lot of heart. For example, there are some bits where he finds a young boy by the name of Chris, who is actually his own son. And he, he kind of quasi-adopts this boy. And so we see this relationship, this familiar relationship developing between them. And there are actually some scenes that are actually quite tear-inducing. It's actually lovely because you, you get a sense of characters behind these kind of stock types. However, this is also kind of counterpointed against some, what can only be described as real full-on exploitation. There are some scenes, for example, some quite nasty rapey type scenes, but also some scenes whereby we see some people's heads being blown off and we get full-on kind of, you know, close-up. And it's actually quite squirm-inducing because we do constantly get these this shift between very touchy-feely, particularly when the lovely Newman begins to fall in love with a character called Sarah, who is kind of reasonably, reasonably kick-ass, actually. It's very interesting, actually, to see the way that the Newman character kind of develops, because he's not 
in some ways what particularly now we would think of as an action hero he's you know obviously a middle-aged guy and yet the idea is he's going out to do the stuff he does and gain retribution for a sense of justice he believes in this because you can tell this film is so much a labor of love for barquette one of the interesting things about the aftermath is that there are quite a few famous faces involved in it one of whom is forrest j ackerman aka forry ackerman who obviously is known for famous monsters of filmland now he is in it as the curator also what people with uh, eagle ears shall we say may notice is you've got dick miller who you might know from the gremlins films who is also obviously the coleman regular and who pops up as the voice on the radio. And it's, it's quite a nice little genre inclusion there. One of the main things that I think mean that this film should be seen by genre audiences is Chris Barkett. The kid is a really good little actor. He's got heart and he also, he's got a nice screen presence. And it's one of these things that makes Aftermath something that over and above its subject matter, so very watchable.
and welcome back. So, you've just heard the trailer for The Aftermath. From 1982, this one was written and directed by Steve Barkett and is based on the story by Stanley Livingston. I think he co-wrote it. Uh, the movie itself stars as the main character, surprise, surprise, Steve Barkett. Uh, we have Lynn Margulies, Sid Haig is in this one, with an interesting name, Cutter. <laughs> Which, as soon as I heard that, I was like, is that where Rob Zombie got the name in Devil's Rejects? Because that's his name, isn't it? It's Cutter. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would definitely be willing to wait if Rob Zombie saw this movie at some point. I, I think this was like a video store staple kind of which she could find. This isn't really a horror movie. Like no. I, 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 I kind of recall this being more like in the action section. 100% but, uh, action sci-fi movie. 100% yeah. action sci-fi. But yeah, I just when that when that sitting down to watch it, and as soon as he was referred to as Cutter, I was like. All right, that's where Rob Zombie got that. That's cool, uh, which is fine. <laughs> like, uh, this stars also Christopher Barkett, who I would imagine is related to Steve. son. Is it? Well, there we go. Uh, Forrest G. Ackerman. Uh, Dick Miller does the voice of the broadcaster, which is always great to hear. Oh, Dick shit, Miller. I didn't know that. Yep, he does the voice for uh, for the broadcaster. Um, <laughs> and there's a ton of other people in here. Uh, synopsis for this one is an astronaut battles mutant cannibals after returning from space to find Earth ravaged by nuclear and biological war. A B-movie cult classic. They've shoved that in the synopsis, just to let you know. This is a B-movie cult classic. Mark, I'm going to let you take the charge on this one because you have seen the movie and then revisited it a couple of months later for for the purposes of this show. You were high on it the first time you watched it, but then it was part of a festival. You were in that kind of post-festival glow that we all have when we watch a ton of movies and like things can seem incredibly good when juxtaposed against really shitty other movies um so you've now watched it out with that because you you bought this movie off the basis of that viewing let us know um what you make of your revisit to the aftermath uh, this this movie is good. Like we were saying earlier, this is this is a sci-fi action movie. Basically, this has a very Planet of the Apes kind of start to it, where it starts <laughs> with our main characters on a fucking spaceship, and they've been up in space traveling around doing who knows what. This is like the not too distant future because our our spaceships look very uh, ba- Battlestar Galactica, which made made me glad that there's not very much space shit in this, but. Uh, our, our, our main characters are astronauts and they come down to Earth to discover that the fucking apocalypse has in fact occurred. Like, I, I think it says in the box art something along the lines of what happens after World War Three? <laughs> well, that's basically this movie. Like, uh, nuclear war and probably biological warfare has wiped out most of the population of Earth. It's just a fucking wasteland. And uh, our characters, uh, the two astronaut dudes, kind of, they get separated for a little bit at the beginning of this movie because I think their ship crash lands. And they're kind of just watering the wasteland until they kind of come across, you know, uh, each other and, like, a few survivors. Um, The alternate title for this movie, I'm pretty sure, is uh, Zombie Aftermath. And the box art with that title is very, very different than the box art, uh, like, I saw on the shelves in the States. Which is a, a very, I think for the American one is very Frazetta inspired. It looks like a, a painting that makes uh, Chris Bar- Barquette look like this like muscly action hero, and you know we get like the yeah he's, the he's, or- too, 
It's two steps away from the icon, but minus the the amazing underwear. Uh, but he's two steps away from the look of Sean Connery and Zardos. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. Which uh, like, I get, like I don't think I don't think he's dressed like that at all ever no. at any point in this movie. It's, <laughs> no, it's like very not. very misleading. Because uh, like, he's behind the movie as well. I just got this idea that he got the final say. He's like that. Paint me as a god. Um, <laughs> that's that's possible. Yeah, he's like my dad directed this movie, so make me look like a you know more of an action hero kind of. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, for for Chattanooga earlier this year, we we saw this movie and uh, not necessarily the follow up to this movie, but kind of a similar one called Empire of the Dark, which is mm-hmm. about like a cop uh, chasing Satanists that are trying to summon a demon and shit. Uh, that movie had twice the budget of this movie, <laughs> The Aftermath, and looks twice as fucking cheap somehow. It looks like a shot for shot on video, like. Like, The Aftermath actually looks like a real movie. Like, oh, well, I'll just go ahead and say this. It's, like, a little bit older film stock. I think older lenses, kind of, like, leftover stuff from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with half the budget, they did twice as much in this movie as they yeah. did with Empire of the Dark. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the, the the zombie Aftermath title, I think, is kind of misleading. And the same with the synopsis that you read. There's really not a lot of, like, cannibalistic zombies in this movie. Mostly nope. it's, like... It's it's post-apocalyptic shithead raider type people, which is where Sid Haig comes in. Like they are basically just like looting and raping and pillaging their way across like the what few survivors they can find. Sid Haig plays such a great villain. Like in everything, uh, he's fucking. Yeah. He is the high watermark of the aftermath. He's the MVP of this movie. Yeah. And probably a big part of the reason that this ended up on the band list because he spends a <laughs> fair amount of this movie assaulting women, which yeah, is like pretty. I mean, it's compared to some of the stuff we've watched on this list, it's it's relatively tame, but the yeah. implications are pretty fucking dark. Uh, we get some gnarly violence like really early in this movie where uh, Sid Haig's character Cutter and his pack of fucking merry fucking looters and killers. Uh, come across like basically like a caravan full of fucking people there's like a half dozen to a dozen of them or so and they take the women and children and lead them away in cars and they're going to take them off to their settlement and do what they want with them and they make all the dudes get on their fucking knees and face away from them and they just start gunning them down and we Mm -hmm. get some like pretty gnarly like blood squibs this again i bring it up on almost every episode has the shitty 3m blood that looks fluorescent red (laughs) depending on the the version and your tv settings and stuff but the blood looks fake as hell in this uh we get some pretty rad exploding heads like at the beginning of this that like i I think are on the level of like dawn of the dead like four four years later is in terms of how cool an exploding head looks in a movie um and then, yeah, it, it kind of just goes from there. There's uh, some back and forth between uh, whatever the hell our main character's name is and Cutter's group. Oh, Newman, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Newman. He he comes across some other survivors. He, he, meets with, he meets a chick that builds a fucking laser gun in this, which was... <laughs> amazingly cheesy but still kind of amazing I was like I can't believe this is in this fucking movie this is the every everything in the kitchen sink approach to making films mm-hmm. he, he comes across a kid that's like 9 or 10 probably that uh, is all by himself because the rest of his family's dead he teaches the kid how to use a gun and kind of takes him under his wing and has a few like I think genuinely kind of good scenes where he's like uh, 
basically telling the kid, like, don't get too attached to me, because I'm definitely gonna fucking die at some point. And especially, like, towards the end of the movie, he's like, uh, you know, I might, I don't want you to come with me, I want you to go with these other people, because I'm probably not gonna come back alive from this. They fucking killed my first girlfriend of the movie, and, uh, not, not laser gun girl, but, like, a different chick, I think. And, um... <laughs> It, I, I thought some of that was like genuinely good and that kid actor is like actually not bad he's definitely no uh, Bob from City or uh, fucking House by the Cemetery <laughs> level of like bad child acting the kid's not bad really nobody in this movie is bad we get fucking Forey Ackerman of famous monsters of film land fame shows up as uh, I think his character is called like the curator he's yes. just hanging out in a museum waxing philosophical about the downfall of mankind and uh, you can big time tell this was probably based on a book because we get a lot of narrations that's like told from uh, Newman's point of view and like yeah. a, a fir first person perspective kind of deal. Comes off very like based on a novel kind of deal. It comes off but, very uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah, you know actually, I mean? that too kind of. It almost has like kind of the look of like, you know, later stuff like, well, I guess most of was black and white, but uh, yeah, 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 similar to that in tone. And like I said, big Planet of the Apes vibes. Well, yeah, I was going to say, one of the, the facts of this movie is the, the beach that they're on in the 13-minute mark is the same beach from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so, okay. just, just reused it. Well, why not? I'd do the same. <laughs> so. yep, right, right around the corner is where Charlton Heston was fucking telling him, you did it, you blew it up in the Statue of Liberty, all that <laughs> shit. But uh, anyway, yeah, the aftermath is, I, I think this is a really cool little fucking action-adventure sci-fi kind of movie. Uh, it's It's... it's fairly violent for something that was probably rented out to fucking children at yeah. the time because it doesn't uh, at least the Amer the American box art doesn't scream like this is a offensive thing like it, it makes it look like an action adventure kind of romp uh, the UK box art of this is a fucking zombie holding a knife and the zombie looks really similar to the <laughs> early faces of death box art with that like kind of <laughs> It's like a skull and it looks like it's on like either like a package of fireworks or something like that a really stupid biker would get tattooed on his arm right below mm -hmm. his mother tattoo kind of that's that's what that box art reminds me of and I almost kind of think that like that right there like because he's holding a knife also is where they're like nope pull that one but I, I, also we, certainly we would have attracted attention yes yeah. But also we get some fairly gnarly violence and, you know, a little bit of sexual violence in this movie, like, even though it's, like, kind of implied, but, uh, so, yeah, uh, th this, I, I still think this is probably one of the more tame ones, like, for this list that we've watched, uh, a pretty cool fucking movie, like, I, I gotta say, like, I was really impressed, I didn't know, so, sometimes you get into these retro screenings for film festivals and sometimes... They are legitimate, like, hidden gems, and sometimes they drag up just, like, weird, awful shit just because it's going to be entertaining to watch with a crowd. I would call this a fun movie to watch with a few friends and some beers because it is fairly corny by today's standards, but uh, sitting and watching it by myself, I actually dug this quite a bit. Nice, nice. Uh, so, yeah, this was a first-time watch for me. Um, very much like yourself on the first viewing, I wasn't sure... Like, certainly from the, the zombie aftermath alternate name, I was expecting it to be more of a horror movie. And, you know, very quickly, by about the you know 20-minute mark, I was like, all right, it's not that sort of movie, which I'm fine with. Because what's kind of weird about this one is it, the instantly what it reminded me of, like, I don't necessarily associate American cinema with the, the old kind of... the old post-apocalyptic rip-off genre, if you know what it's I mean. Italy. 
it was a huge it was all Italy <laughs> I've seen about 40 of these movies um, so kind of seen an American take on it but doing it in the kind of there's a kind of almost a classic Hollywood of this with specifically the, the, the kind of painted background designs and all the rest you know oh, all that yeah. stuff are like really I think makes this movie very endearing like to sit and watch like you didn't get that in the Italian movies by then they were just like let's find a quarry and we'll shoot everything in there um, so I, I really enjoyed those elements I think this movie owes a lot to Twilight Zone um, and it contains like my, my, my problem my biggest issue was there was quite a lot of like kind of exposition narration and dialogue um, but not in an off-putting way I was just very conscious that a lot of characters were doing a lot of talking but that's yeah. the conceit of these movies, these rip-off movies. They don't have the budget for these massive set pieces. You know, like you go back and watch a movie like Alien, for example, right? Alien's a massive sci-fi action horror movie. Like the first one's more horror than action horror. But even if you go back and look at Aliens, for example, or at least even take Aliens as an example, like there's not a fucking huge amount of dialogue in that movie where characters are constantly talking all the time with these big heady conversations it's most, mostly kind of pity dialogue against people to get power because everything else in that movie is screaming action, move, look at this like gimmick we've got, look at this amazing fucking animatronic fucking creature we've got, like all that stuff carries it you tend to find in the rip off side of things dialogue replaces those scenes so it's a lot yep. of characters talking about what they've seen and talking about what they have to do and not necessarily seeing it. And that's like, it's not handled in a bad way here at all. And the point where I was, I was aware they were doing it, but I wasn't aware of like, oh, we're just, why are we repeating this again? Where in a lot of the Italian movies, you will literally hear the same conversation four times. <laughs> yeah, or like the, the one that comes to mind is the astrologer, a.k.a. suicide cult, mm-hmm. where like the whole fucking movie is exposition and they're telling you instead of showing you what they're fucking talking about. It has to, because uh, they don't have the money to do it. And this one, you get the payoff, and that payoff is Sid Haig, which is the reason you watch this movie. He is fucking great in this movie. I love him as a villain. I've always loved him as a villain. Um... Yeah. I think he's he some revels in it. He, he yeah. he's loving it. He's great in this movie, like genuinely great in this movie, and like everything he like from the moment I, I meet him, I'm like, hey, you're a you're an evil bastard, and then he never drops that throughout the entire movie, which I love. I love his crew. His crew is all these fucking miscreants and, and like all the, these people that would be associated with Cutter because of how gnarly and evil he is. I thought. Like, like, obviously, like, knowing sure that, uh, oh, that's my watch speaking to me, uh, knowing that, it's like, I'm not sure I understand what you mean, shut up. Um, like, knowing that Dick Miller was the voice of the broadcaster, like, the fact he had Dick Miller back then doing this sort of thing, it just goes to show you, like, this is a different system they're working in, this, is, this movie was made in LA, so you obviously have access to quite interesting people doing a bit of a, a, a dig in on this one. The guys that did the special effects on this um, would later go on and do the special effects in The Abyss. Oh, wow. So this Holy is like an early, early credit for them. Like, super early credit for them. And then they would go on and work with James Cameron and do The Abyss. Because the majority of this movie was shot in 78. And then there was a ton of reshoots. Well, so basically, about a quarter of the, the estimated budget of this movie was actually spent on uh, reshoots and post-production. 
um, because he just wasn't happy with you know with, with the the, the kind of initial final products had to kind of you know like reworking it and do other bits and bobs. But watching it, I I've just found myself really enjoying how well it was constructed, and I was actually super surprised that I'd never heard of this movie before because. Like I say, I've recently been watching a ton of these Italian versions because the 88 Films Italian collection has put out loads of them. That you just assume that when you hear people talk about movies in or around that are like or similar to, that the aftermath would have popped up for me. And it hasn't, like, at all. Um, I'm with you, uh, having seen the, the UK artwork. I imagine that's what certainly got a censor lifting it to go and take a look at it. Uh, it didn't do itself any favours had it had the American one absolutely no danger I think it would have been lifted I'm also with you on the scheme of things we've watched it's on the more tame side yes there's violence um, yes some of it is not necessarily even implied as out and out violence and there are certain themes and things alluded to that are, de- are definitely on the gnarly side but I mean it's in or around what you would have seen and in fact it's on the lesser scale of what you've seen in 82 so even then, I'm like, well, what? Why is this on? Why is this on a list? And I imagine you're right. I think the the artwork did no help to at all in the UK. Ah, yeah, I, I I'm kind of with you on this one. I think this one is a, a is a great watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It hasn't been given a UK release yet, but I will be importing that American one for the collection because I'll come back and check it out. It would pair so well with other movies in around the same genre. Uh, from other parts of the world, you could do a, a pretty tasty lineup of three, three or four movies, and this would slot in really nice with them. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, 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 I uh, it lived up to the, not the hype, but the the way you had sold it to me certainly paid off. So I was kind of, kind of dug it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good. Sweet. Yeah, the other thing this this kind of reminds me of is Dawn of the Dead and how much money and like use they got out of. Uh, just having locations and just probably shooting it first thing in the morning when nobody is around and throwing some garbage around to make it look kind of post-apocalyptic. I, 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 I definitely, yeah, I, I love movies that get a lot of, a lot out of very little, like, you know, resources. And this is, this is like way up there. They, it, it does feel like a way bigger budget movie than it actually is. And like, I, yeah, I always get props to fucking directors when they can pull stuff like this off with like no money at their fucking disposal. Yeah, the, the, I was going to say, the other thing that this movie reminds me of is Dawn of the Dead and, like, mm. its uh, ability to use... Uh, they, they get they got access to some pretty cool... I assume a lot of this is, like, downtown L.A. type stuff where yeah. they probably shot it first thing in the morning and everybody, you know, when nobody was there and threw some garbage around and uh, may, actually made it look pretty cool and, like, it's it's got some pretty sweet scenery in it for a movie that only costs half a million bucks. Like, that's, that's stuff that, like, is... You got... You gotta basically steal those shots nowadays to like get access to that kind of thing on a low budget movie or just like oh, yeah. figure out some way of faking it incredibly well because uh yeah you, you can get away with it back then nowadays not so much nowadays places want a whole bunch of money to fucking shoot like on their rooftops in fucking downtown la and stuff like <laughs> that that end fucking rooftop fight is so fucking great like there there's some genuinely like pretty cool shots that i bet i bet that whole scene probably took him a couple days to shoot just because they'd have to lug the fucking camera equipment up into the building like right next to the building where your actors are and shoot down 30 stories like above them kind of deal like there's some pretty legit 
cinematography in this thing as far as that goes so like yeah I, I i love movies that uh get a lot out of their tiny little budgets and like just find clever creative ways of doing stuff like obviously i think dawn of the dead is one of the kings of that because that yeah. had roughly the same budget as this movie i think they were both made for you know half a million to a million dollars somewhere around in there so uh yeah dude after my I'm, I'm glad you finally got a chance to check this out because yeah this is uh, one of the cooler older discoveries i've made recently yeah, like I say, I'm 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 with you. I think there's there's so much so much to enjoy in this movie. Um, it did. It made me it made me smile. Uh, and also the like because uh, we were mentioning earlier on about um, like the cinematography and and effects and stuff like that for the movie just being by people that would go on and do like bigger things. The guy that I was referring to is Dennis Stokak who worked on, wait, wait to hear this, his visual effects creds are fucking nuts. The year before this one, uh, this movie here, he made a, he did special effects and was director of photography for special visual effects on a little movie called Escape from New York. Oh, yeah, shit. That, <laughs> that, that makes he, sense. Yeah, in 86, he was a visual effects supervisor on Aliens. Um, 89, he was a visual effects um, and director of photography supervisor for the Abyss, he was um, supervising director of photography on Terminator 2 Judgment Day, so obviously doing a lot of stuff with uh, Cameron. Uh, worked on Batman Returns, worked on Captain Ron. You didn't have to mention that one. <laughs> I don't mind Captain Ron. He did work on Tank Girl, though. Tank Girl is a movie that I love uh, too fucking much. I mean, that, that movie... Uh, is one of those like one day someone will drag me on a podcast and allow me to talk about any movie I want to, and the whole internet will be shocked when I spend seven hours dissecting Tank Girl. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> right, uh, let's talk grades for this one. I mean, this to me is a case dismissed. I, I like, I, I don't think it has anything, even with the violence, that is of an on a level where I'd be like, oh, we're, we're kind of pushing things here for eighty two. Is surprisingly tame. That being said, it is a fucking fun watch, and I would highly recommend it to people that haven't seen it. What about yourself, Mark? I, I think I'm the same. Definitely by today's standards, this thing is really tame. Uh, the, the nastiest this ever gets is uh, Sid Haig trying to make his way with a couple of chicks. But even then, like we've watched stuff infinitely like grosser and more uncomfortable than that on this show. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm pretty much at the same. This is a case dismissed. Uh, yeah, check this out. Uh, there, there is a copy of this on YouTube that looks pretty good, but also, yeah, there's a, there's a super fancy Blu-ray that's getting ready to come out that I think I have on pre-order at the time we're recording this. Uh, I forget who the fuck put that out. I think I ordered that when I was very inebriated during Chattanooga <laughs> Film Fest, so, uh, I'll, I'll have to look into that. I'll, I'll post it in the video, nas- or the, uh, the Doing the Nasty Facebook group as far as, like, where you can get these kind of deal. Um, but yeah, this is a strong recommend. Check the, check this out. Get get a few friends together, like kind of cheesy movies, and get some beers, and you'll actually be surprised at how well this is done. Nice. Right. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear very learned people talk about extra. This kind of feels like it's either a Kim Newman or a Stephen Thrower, maybe, for this one. I can't imagine. Al- Alan Jones, got the name right this time. Alan Jones <laughs> doing the, the intro to extra. Um, intro to extra. What I- I'm just on form tonight. 
Um, look at me go. Uh, you're going to hear the chat a bit. You're going to hear the trailer, which I, I deeply love the trailer for this one because uh, the music, the soundtrack, this movie's fucking incredible. Uh, we're going to be back to discuss Extro after the promo, the trailers, and all that jazz right after this. What's the one film that most people think is on the original 72 video nasty list but actually isn't? Well, it's Harry Bromley Davenport's Extro. Uh, nothing too extraordinary, I'm afraid, in the alien invasion stakes, but enough to warrant sort of like a, a low-rent franchise, that's for sure. The film originally came about because Robert Shea of New Line Cinema wanted to sort of like to copy the Phantasm template, the Don Coscarelli movie. He wanted a movie with lots of buzz moments, and he felt that Extro would actually fulfil that brief. It was actually Robert Shea who insisted on the Black Panther scene. He thought it, even though it made no sense, he thought it needed a bit of a shock in that particular moment, but it bears no relation to anything that goes on in the movie. So Harry Bromley Davenport went off and filmed this. I was actually on the set of this movie and saw the alien, which was really a mime artist, bent over backwards. I thought that was pretty obvious. I never actually expected people to buy that. But, you know, it was a reasonable enough uh, attempt at trying to do an alien on the cheap. And Harry Bromley Davenport was a pretty resourceful director, as Whispers of Fear proved, but even he couldn't do much with the Michelle Parry script here, which was like a, another version of I Married a Monster from Outer Space. It takes off where Close Encounters of the Third Kind left off, is the way Mark Fulstatter, the producer, explained Extro to me. Well, fair enough. It starred Bernie Steggers, uh, Lamberto Barber's macabre uh, star, and the wife of Mike Newell, the director who would do Four Weddings and a Funeral and Prince of Persia. In later years, Harry Bromley Davenport, who I actually met because he was uh, a very close friend of Maureen Bartlett, who ran Video Media, one of the very first uh, video labels set in Wardour Street. Um, Harry always said that he was stoned throughout the whole of this film, and the fact that it actually held together was just amazing to him. Harry always said the movie was a complete mess, that the atmosphere was completely unintentional. He was very cynical about it. But hey, as I said, it went on to become a major franchise. So, you know, who was right? Tony's father has been away a long time. Now, he's coming home. Extro has returned. <laughs> Once a man, he is now something more than human. Indestructible, ever-changing, evil. His mission, to avenge, to possess, to destroy. Why did you come back? I came back for you. Oh, my God! Extro, bearing powers of black magic from deep space. If you think hard about something,
Maestro. Some extraterrestrials aren't friendly. From New Line Cinema, rated R. And welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard the trailer for Extra from 1982. This is directed by Harry Bromley Davenport, who also co-wrote it with Ian Cassie and Michael Parry. Uh, the movie itself stars Philip Sear, Bernice Steggers, Danny Brennan, <laughs> Miriam Diabo, uh, Simon Nash, Peter Mandel, David Cardy, Anna Wing, Robert Fife, some other folks. The synopsis for this one is an alien creature impregnates a woman who gives birth to a man that was abducted by aliens three years ago. The man reconnects with his wife and son for a sinister purpose. Okay then, well, if you want to give it a coherent linear sentence <laughs> synopsis, fine. It's a tip of the iceberg of what happens in this fucking movie. Oh dude, this movie is like fucking, this is nightmare fuel. Like, this is like, <laughs> yes. Like, this is the one, I think, there's a lot of creepypastas on the internet that use the shot of the crawling creature as a gif, like, in there when they want to get something creepy over. Um, it looks very Chupacabra in that shot. It totally does. And this, does this predate Chupacabra's rise in prominence as a cryptid? I don't oh, know. Pr- probably. Yeah, but it's weird, it's weird that that's a you know like that's the thing because that you're right like when you hear that described, that's what I think of, and then I think extra. Um, yeah, I, I've I, I remember seeing this movie way too young, way way, <laughs> way 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 too young, and then it being burned into my fucking retinas for years, um, and then not seeing it for ages, and then being aware of it. It's one of these things that when the internet started becoming a bit more prominent as a as a accessible tool that we could all just use to look up things and get answers without actually physically having to use our brains um like i was very much aware of extra again and it had i had like this it had you could get shitty rips of it and stuff and um it's one of those ones that I'd, i was always like I'm gonna hold out for the blu-ray because it's bound to come one day and yeah sure enough it did uh, uh, second sight put this out in the uk I don't know if it's region unlocked. Uh, I would hope it was, um, but the, like the nicest version of this, far, far too nice for a movie like this. It's like a proper, like has the soundtrack on its own CD, has a fucking lush poster, you know, nice uh, uh, box art and nice embossed work and all the rest. And I kept thinking when it arrived and I'd spent far too much money on it that I just spent a lot of money for this shitty sci-fi movie I hadn't seen in years. And then I watched it, and then instantly I was transported to the magic and majesty of this fucking bonkers movie. Like, I could literally spend five minutes listing off some of the scenes in this movie, and I would still be omitting some of the scenes in this movie that are just fucking bonkers. And there's a playfulness about it. So this is, once again, this is another kind of quasi-alien ripoff. Um, this is us trying to do the British version of it and Semnioid is the the other more prominent one that people will be aware of from around the same time I want to see Semnioid's 81 or 82 so it would be about the same time um, both of them coming out about the same time period this was our fascination the UK's fascination with making a, a sci-fi alien movie with a horror twist um, I think Extro nails it but it nails it because it is like a fever dream. Everything in this movie feels like it. There's a guy that's attacked by a giant fucking toy soldier in this movie. <laughs> there's a, there's a dwarf it? clown. 
You know, dwarf club. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like halfway through it, they were just like, I just, anything. <laughs> the kitchen sink eats them. Um, you know, it, like, it feels like at, at no point was there. Because the, the, the idea of the manifestation of the powers in this one taking a childlike turn makes sense to me that you would use that. It just is so baffling right. considering the movie starts off clearly an alien ripoff. Um, we've got this alien creature like that's, that's landed on the planet and it's going to do some weird things, which it does. And by the end of this movie, we've got like brood-like alien pustules. Um, yeah. And you're like, how the fuck did we end up here? And meanwhile, in the background, you've got this absolutely fucking bitching synthwave score yeah like this is primo synthwave this is like top tier primo oh look did you hear that stuff that john carpenter's been doing yeah well that's what i want in this movie okay then let me go off and do my trippy english version of that um like such a bitching score the effects for this one the practical effects surprisingly good yeah, I, I'd say really fucking good, actually, considering, again, this is a, a cheap movie to make, I'm pretty sure, and they, they got some, they knew how to do stuff, and they got some mileage out of a really talented makeup effects artist. Oh, God, yeah, like, they, 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 they really, you can tell that they spent the money where it needed to go, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Um, I'd, like, I'd, infamous stories about this one, this one was released... Um, just before Christmas in the UK. <laughs> Imagine taking the family on Christmas to see Extra. This is what I'm on about, Land. There's something fucking warped about my country, honestly. There's something warped over here where they're like, let's bring the family together with Extra. Um, <laughs> a movie about like an alien trying to assimilate a fucking family. Yeah, and then watch the the cold the cold hard conversations over carvings of turkey on Christmas Day. Um, just weird, just fucking weird. Um, but yeah, the special effects are done really well. I think at times the movie itself kind of loses its way and takes itself a bit too serious. Um, you know, like like Rachel Phillips' character played by Bernice Steggers is like, to me, she's a bit too serious with the kid in too many scenes. And that, I mean, once again, it's fine for what it is, but there's a part of me that's like, uh, what am I doing here? Um, but, I'll tell you this, it never at any point takes its foot off the pedal. You know what I mean? It continues just being, and it, this is a short fucking movie. This is out in an hour and 25. Um, it says gets in, gets done, gets out. One of the weird little tangents of this one is it did, you know, it did spring two sequels, which I've never seen. I haven't um, either. Yeah, and I don't think I want it. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> um, no, I like no way of even remotely wanting to check this one out. And uh, it's weird how like my brain works about pairing movies up. I would totally pair this movie up with this year's Cycle Gorman. Yeah. Um, uh. As like a, like you watch this movie, you watch Extra first, and then you watch Psycho Gomer as the payoff. Uh, you know, as a way to, to kind of decompress because there's a lot of it that just reminded me of the it's the rubber suits. I think more than more than anything. As core though, I think it's it's easy favorite dream sci-fi movie. I think there's there's part of it feels like it's one story mashed in with another story mashed in with another story, which is why things end up where they do at the end of the movie but it's it's a it's a well-constructed 
surprisingly well acted, great practical effects, sci-fi horror movie with the bitchin' soundtrack, which, I mean, all that stuff is shot against, sadly, a very cold colour scape because it's shot in Britain and Britain's grim. Um, especially 80s Britain, Jesus Christ. Um, so, you know, I mean, it doesn't have the polish of an American sci-fi horror movie, but I, I, like, I, just watching it, I... I found myself again, this is like the, I watched this last year as well, so this is like a, another revisit to it in fairly close proximity. I got to the end of it again and I just felt like, yeah, this is, I mean, it's a bonkers fucking movie. It'd be one that I, I would need to know what sort of stuff you like to watch before I recommended it to you. But as movies go on this list, um, Extra is one of the, the better movies that we are going to cover. What about yourself? You'd seen this before, yeah? Yeah, I'd, I'd seen yep. this a few years ago. Uh, I, I didn't really remember a whole lot about it. I think I kind of skimmed through this when I saw it many years ago. And this time I actually like really sat down and watched it. Watched it. Uh, by the way, I, I while, while you were talking, I hopped on Amazon real quick to see if that second site, Blu-ray, was available. Uh, it is region-free, and I did oh, find yeah. a copy of it for 27 bucks on Amazon. Uh, what's weird is when I went to check out, it said there was one copy of it in stocks. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm buying it now. And uh, <laughs> now that I'm looking back at it, it says in stock, so it might be on, like, back order or something. But, uh, yeah, yeah you, you can still get the Second Sight Blu-ray on, on Amazon over there for about nice. 30 bucks. So Do it. I got Do that. It. Yep, got that fucker on the way. Uh, yeah, this is a great movie. I, I, I think describing this as a fever dream is a, a pretty perfect way of describing this because there's this is only 90 minutes and it feels way fucking longer just because there's so much weird shit jammed into this movie like like you said like when, once we get like it totally starts off as an alien ripoff the the alien even has like an ovipositor that it fucking deposits the fucking eggs or aliens or whatever into other people we get that super gnarly fucking scene of the chick giving birth to uh, oh, yeah. not like you're expecting it to be like another monster kind of like the one that we see on the side of the road at the beginning of the movie but no it's a dude it's the kid's dad that crawls out of the inside of this woman and it's one of the weirdest like most Cronenbergian fucking things I've seen in one of these nasty movies for a while. Uh, oh, dude, wait till we get to Insemnioid. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I'm expecting more of that in that one, but, yeah. And then, then this one's, like, it, it never goes in one direction for very long. It, like, is all over the place and uh, has a very dreamlike quality to it just because a lot of this is, like, kind of... Uh, yeah, like you said, manifestations of what the fucking kid can do with these new powers where he can basically make anything come to life and do his evil bidding. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's all pure fucking nightmare fuel, like directed at like, if a child is watching this, this is going to be something that's going to horribly fucking traumatize them. There's definitely a lot of those kind of movies. I feel like that came out of the late eighties and, uh, to a lesser extent, the early 90s, like, direct-to-video stuff. Like, Leprechaun uh, is a movie that is made, like, I think with the intention of people way too young watching it, and they play <laughs> off of things that a kid would be really afraid of. And if it's also scary to an adult, uh, awesome, cool. But mostly, like, uh, that's kind of the impression. Extro is pure fucking childhood, like, kinder trauma nightmare fuel. And, 
I, I fucking love this movie. It is so fucking batshit and weird and gross and out there. And like you said, the synth score is so goddamn good. Like, this is one of the few soundtracks that I can see myself just listening to the soundtrack, like, outside of the movie and, like, really digging it. Uh, it's it's very, it's very Carpenter, very Tangerine Dream, and very, like, all kinds of things that I fucking love all, all wrapped around... One of the most supremely goofy fucking horror movies I've seen in a long time. Like, it's, it's, this movie is one of those that you kind of have to see to fucking believe is extra. Uh, and, yeah, like, I, I, man, I, I can't imagine watching this in the fucking 80s, especially as a censor, and especially with how sensitive they were about the idea of children getting their hands on stuff like this. I mean, like, this isn't like a... This isn't like a Child's Play 3 movie where they'd be worried that, like, kids are actually going to go out and reenact things that they saw in this movie. You can't reenact stuff that's in extra. Like, really, this is a, this is a traumatizing children kind of movie. So, I mean, if you're, you know, living in a fucking nanny state, of, you know, you're a mommy censor and you're like, no, 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 this can't get, fall in the hands of children, then I think that was their main motivation for wanting to pull this from shelves. But, uh... Yeah, watching this all these years later, like it's, it's this this holds up, man. This is a weird goddamn movie, and this is definitely one that uh, I was I, I like the night that I was watching this. I had one of my friends text me. It was like, "What are some of those weird movies you're watching for that nasty show?" Uh, I I sent him the link to Extra. I'm like, "Just watch this. Like, I'm not even gonna tell you what this is about. Just watch it. It's weird as fuck." So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pumped I got a Blu-ray of this out of the way, because I could definitely see me revisiting this sometime when I'm just like, I just want to have my mind kind of fucking blown and watch something that doesn't always make a lot of sense, but is is massively fucking enter entertaining. And another movie where they got a lot of mileage out of a really limited budget, and the whole budget looks like it's up on screen, and they, you know, pulled out every trick in the book to pull out the spe to pull off the special effects for this movie. And, uh, yeah, dude, this this is a good movie. This is one <laughs> one of the better things we've watched for this show so far. Yeah, I just I, I love like to me the 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 pleasure of watching like movies specifically from this time period is seeing how I mean because it's, it's an unabashed ripoff movie, but it's yeah you can see the 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 building blocks, but where they take it is nothing like the movies that it comes from. And I, I love that about it. It's like someone taking like the core idea of right. This is what I'm gonna like. I've just seen that alien movie. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna. I can make a sci-fi alien movie. Um, and then somewhere that translates to yeah, she's gonna give birth to a grown man and like you know, all this like all the weird shit that comes from after the fact is just the stuff that to me makes extra a kind of weirdly charming and endearing movie on the rewatches because it is just so silly. Um, but it's played off this is one of those movies which is played off completely serious you know what I mean and it is so clearly bonkers and they're like nope, nope serious all the way through <laughs> like this has one tone and that one tone is serious um, and that to me adds to its charm because I, I, I just get an immense amount of enjoyment from it um, it does have a lot of we've talked about it, some stuff that's kind of gnarlier in there which does bring us to like our grades at the end here. What's interesting is I don't necessarily think there's anything of a... There's no, like, sexual violence or any of the stuff that would generally 
derive a harder score from me. Um, and yeah, it's certification kids aren't supposed to watch it, so I'm, I'm kind of at that point where I'm like that. It did have a traumatising effect on me, but I was a kid and I didn't understand fucking half of what was going on in it. Um, so I'm going to still, that, weirdly enough, like the aftermath, I'm going to say this is a case dismissed. I don't think there's enough in here. Out with, once again, movies that were coming out in 1982, uh, or even around the time of the nasty swarm like that. Yes, this one scene here, this is the bad one. You know, it's just, a, it's an accumulation of it. And I can see why a censor sitting down and watching this one. You've got, you know, like, um, you've got alien births and all the rest. All that sort of stuff is icky to a censor and they don't want to have to deal with it. So it's probably why it was on the list because it's weird to look at it. Um, whereas to me, I'm watching it going, it's actually not that bad. Uh, it's just weird and goofy and strange and out there and surreal and like rocket fuel for nightmares so yep. yeah I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna case dismiss <laughs> this one um, and yeah if you've never seen Extra before um, yes please do <laughs> let us know how you got on with it love it yourself Mark um, I, I might give, the, give us like a little tiny bit of a slap on the wrist just because mm -hmm. it goes goes to some pretty insane fucking places. It's got it's got a little bit of nudity in it too. Like the uh, the French chick that lives in the apartment shows up topless through most of her scenes, I think. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, other than that, yeah, really like this is uh, yeah, this, this is definitely not for fucking children, but like for adults, like I think this is pretty fucking tame like i don't know it's 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 weird but uh not not what i would call super graphic so uh, I, I'd, I'd probably i'd probably go case dismissed on this one too this is this is pretty tame compared to some of our stuff nice nice well there you go ladies and gents that's us done our good work again for you which means we can uh, take a short break. You can hear promos for shows that we love. And when we return, we will be telling you what we'll be covering next month. For me and Mark, that's going to be over a month away before we record that, which kind of feels weird because we've just uh, we've just double billed uh, some uh, some recordings for all y'all out there. So it can be interesting. Uh, <laughs> we'll be a little bit rusty by the time we come back. But we will be telling you what those movies are right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com. The Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gents. You've been listening to Season 2 of Doing the Nasty, Episode number 20. Next time on episode number 21, dropping next month, we will be officially crossing the halfway mark of this series. And boy, are we giving you two movies. <laughs> That's it, we're just giving you two movies. Um, oh, I'm going to begin with this. Uh, two movies from the early 80s. Mark, you'll be happy to know. Okay. Um, the first one is called, wait for it, Zombie Leak. I'm familiar with the title, but I don't know if I've ever seen this one. Well, it's directed by Jean Roland, who is, you know, a tour de force in French cinema. Usually made very kind of arty movies, so I'm interested about this one. But also kind of co-directed by Julien de Lacerna, 
Um, based on the story by, wait for it, Julian Esteban and Jesus Franco. That's right, oh, Jesus no. Franco. <laughs> out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he's, he's writing credit. Uh, synopsis is, in a small village somewhere in France, German soldiers killed and thrown into a lake by the resistance during World War II come back. That's right, Nazi zombies, Mark. Only okay. a fucking matter of time. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I think I heard uh, this talk uh, talked about on a podcast It was on a double bill with shockwaves. Yes, uh, that's, what I, that's what I was thinking about when it was mentioned. Um, uh, apparently, a little, a little dip into the old trivia here, uh, Franco was originally planned to direct but was replaced by Roland at the last minute. Roland later said he deeply regretted he deeply regretted having accepted as soon as he read the script. <laughs> but, but he still made it. I mean, he must have been hurt up for some cash or something. Well, he wasn't, though. He was like, he was the dude. Uh, it gets better. It gets better. Uh, he later regretted uh, having accepted it as soon as he read the script and felt so embarrassed by the film, he wouldn't admit for years he directed it <laughs> under the name J.E. Laser. <laughs> so there you go. That sounds like a synthwave band, J.E. Laser. Yeah, I would, I would, I would listen to them. I would buy <laughs> tickets to their show. Uh, we're doubling that movie up with uh, <laughs> this one could go anyway. Uh, a movie called The Clairvoyant from 1982. This is directed by Armand Mastroani. <laughs> Mastroani? Potentially, I don't know. We also did the story and screenplay along with B. Jonathan Rigcamp and Anton Pagan. Um, this one. Oh, well, listen to this. Uh, two uneasy friends, a police officer and a TV talk show host, each pursue mysterious handcuff killer with the aid of an artist who sees and draws the killer's crimes before they are committed. Um, that sounds kind of cool. Could be. Could be. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was sold under the alternate title, The Killing Hour. Um because the, the film distributors renamed it and sold it under the title The Killing Hour because they feared that general audiences wouldn't know what a clairvoyant was. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's the way a studio thinks. They're like, our audience is a bunch of dummies. Pretty much, yeah. So that that is uh, that is where we are going. Uh, so we'll be doing Zombie Leak and The Clairvoyant, um, two movies from the early 80s, and by the sounds of things, it couldn't be any more different if they tried. And that will be our halfway mark, crossing the halfway mark for season two of the Video Nasties. Um, for a little bit of doing the nasty for all y'all out there. Mark Ball, uh, where can people check out the stuff you do online? Uh, find, find me on the Twitter. That's at the Fancy Mark. I talk about movies and toys and fucking uh, pretty much whatever. That's my main social media feed there. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd. I've been doing pretty good keeping up with that. And by the time this episode comes out, it's gonna be about festival season. That's something we didn't really mention uh, at the at the time of this recording. Uh, we're like less than a month and a half away from what was supposed to be the in-person Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Which they, uh, two days after uh, Austin went into stage five fucking COVID type shit, uh, announced shit. The, the first wave of movies that are supposed to be playing at Fantastic Fest, uh, including fucking the opening night movies Titan, the new movie by the gal that directed that movie Raw, Raw from a couple yeah. years ago. Just won the Palm Door as well. Uh, another one I'm super pumped for is Mad God, the Phil Tippett stop motion thing that's been in the works oh, for nice. about 30 years. 
Yeah. There, there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, usually the uh, AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, people bring out some pretty wacky fucking retro screenings. I, th- I think like I mean, they have to have done like some stuff that pops up on the video nasty list at some point as like uh, retro screenings. But yeah, that, them and Vinegar Syndrome and Severin always bring a lot of cool uh, old school screenings of these type of things in addition to all the new movies. But uh, yeah, we'll see if this festival actually happens. They do have a virtual setting in place, but uh, I have no fucking idea if I'm actually going to make it to Texas this year just because yeah. of everything that's we're still going through this is like the 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 covid era <laughs> it's gonna be known in the future basically it's this is never gonna fucking end apparently but uh <laughs> yeah that, that 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 should be coming up uh on, on a more <clears throat> excuse me brighter note uh in addition to the podcast guest appearances i mentioned at the beginning of this episode i completely forgot that i'm gonna be on an episode of fucking kiss the goat coming up with our friends oh nice jeff and cootie talking about Mm -hmm. talking about a devil movie that i have never seen i I forget the title but i'll uh uh, yeah you you can kiss the goats over on legion podcast go go check that out there's there's tons of good shows over over at our friends on legion um yeah, uh, check out the other shows on the Teapot's collective feed, including Opera Omnia, where Duncan and Bo have been talking about David Fincher movies. Uh, there's also Where to Begin With, uh, and uh, my my the the title of my favorite podcast or my favorite podcast title ever, Jaws's Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts. <laughs> All, all, all over on the teapots. Such collective a messy feed. show that just such a messy show. <laughs> well, the title like, like that, I mean, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into. I think. Oh, you would think so, but Bazzi's story this month was about when he worked as a kitchen assistant, um, back when he was like what sixteen, and uh, he'd done a night of heavy drinking and had to work the the large deep fat fryer for fried eggs, oh, no. which he vomited into, <laughs> and then had to very quickly tip it out so no one knew, and then pour more oil in it, and without cleaning the the area correctly just cracked more eggs in and continued on cooking oh no yeah. he fucking grossed if you want grossed out uh, listen to the brand new episode of Jaws's Shite and other regrettable outbursts which we dubbed Typhoid Mary of Danoon because that's what Baz was uh, like, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go listen so, right as soon as we get off this call oh dude it's so so fucking bad it's so so bad uh, but yeah that's available over there yeah please please check out the shows on the Teapots Collective and make sure you're checking out that summer series on the podcast under the stairs Mark Ball is on two of those episodes his first one has already dropped 2010 it was a bit heartbreaking that episode uh, but a lot of fun recording you're back for another one I'm trying to remember what your second year was uh, I think it's 2015 yeah 2015's the other one so yeah, so like uh, in or around when this episode drops, 2015 will be dropping, so you'll be able to hear Mark on that as well. Sweet. And go and support out all his guest appearances. All that's left for me says thank you very much for checking out this episode of Doing the Nasty. We will be back next month with another two movies for you. And until then, take care of yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. 
I have never seen a video master. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.